Thanks for checking out this video. My name's Kiara, and I hope you enjoy this message from Redemption Church. Good morning. Well, if you have a Bible, you can open it up to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to look at those verses and a couple others uh, throughout our, our time this morning. So we're concluding a series today. We started this at the beginning of October. This is week eight. The series for the first half was titled Becoming Wise, and then we all became wise in four weeks, so we transitioned after that to Living Wisely. And so today is the conclusion of eight weeks or seven weeks prior, and then this being our eighth week. Concluding on now what? After these last seven weeks, after the internal work and then the practical work that we talked about the last three weeks, what happens now? What happens now? Lindsay and I ran into a couple last night at an event, and the first thing after you know some greetings, hi, and how you doing, all that kind of stuff, uh, was the conversation that we routinely have with this couple is, we've meant to get together so many times. We've had Facebook messages that say, let's grab coffee, let's grab lunch, let's do this. And they always seem to end with a grand plan that never actually results in us getting coffee or lunch. You probably have friendships like this or conversations like this. Or in a similar way, there's something in your life, big decision, small decision, where you've obtained all of the information, you've discerned what the best possible path is to make it happen, but you never actually quite get it done. The lunch never happens. Whatever it is, the big plan never commences. Where we wrap up our time in this series is this final step of wisdom, actually walking it out. And so in the letter that we see this morning in the church to Colossae, we're going to see Paul instruct this church, and he's going to instruct them in three ways, what they should do, how they should do it, and why they're able to do it. What they should do, how they should do it, and why they're able to do it. And so we're going to get into that this morning. Now, this series, again, started eight weeks ago, now, with this verse in Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And this series has been about how do we discern, how do we know, and how do we walk the will of God? That phrase there, make the best use of the time, the reader at the time would have connected with this metaphor. Uh, like when I was 16 and would go to the mall, because that's what you did if you were a 16-year-old and you grew up in Northwest Ohio. And so at that point, it was Franklin Park. And so you would go or we would go to the mall. And when we went to the mall as 16-year-olds, we didn't have any money and we didn't have any purpose. We didn't have any mission. We were simply meandering around the mall. You know what we were doing. We were walking around the mall. And my friends and I, as we would wander around the mall eventually, right, we would leave and we would, you know, go to McDonald's or Burger King or whatever and then go home and, and nothing ever really got accomplished. Now, contrast that with my wife, Lindsay, when she takes Reagan to the grocery store. When she goes to the grocery store, she knows step one. Step one is go to the free fruit section. Step two is grab the banana, peel the banana. Step three is get out of the grocery store before the banana is done. 
Because if it's not, all hell is breaking loose in Kroger. And so when she goes into Kroger, she's on a mission. She knows the three things she needs to get. She knows what aisle and the quickest way to navigate Kroger in order to get in and get out before the banana's gone. In one way, we're meandering. The other way, there's a mission. In Ephesians chapter 5, what Paul was saying to the Christian is now because of your relationship with Christ, now out of the fact that you're a new creation in him, stop meandering your way through life. Stop just walking through the mall with no purpose and no focus. Instead now, you're on a mission, and your mission is to know the will of God for your life and to walk it out. You used to be on the unwise team. You used to be in the meandering side. But now, now, walk wisely. Know what God's will is. Don't be a fool. Know his will and walk it. Now, that idea of walking out God's will, we've been using this term, to walk the best possible path. We took that from the phrase there, make the best use of the time. And so throughout this whole series, we've been defining wisdom like this. Wisdom is the humility to know, discern, and walk the best possible path. And so wisdom starts with humility. And so if you haven't joined us over the last few weeks, I'll catch you up. Wisdom begins with submitting ourselves to God's authority, to be committed to God's will prior to knowing exactly what it is. In order to become wise, we have to have a foundation that is built solely on Christ and not ourselves. In order to become wise, we have to unroot unwise motivators like bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. In order to become wise, at times we don't know what to do, but God tells us, ask him when we don't. And so we're instructed in um, James' letter to the church that when you need wisdom, just confidently ask your heavenly father who loves you, and he's super generous, and he'll give you the wisdom. But when you ask him, make sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. Don't say, "Ah, I kind of like my plan, and I kind of like your plan, and we'll see which one is better, and then I'll choose that one. No, when you ask God for wisdom, you're committed to his plan. And then after that, we talked about, well, how does God speak to us to provide that wisdom? Well, wisdom, the Proverbs writer says, comes from the mouth of God. And so the first step in acquiring wisdom is obtaining knowledge. And so we get knowledge from the mouth of God. We get knowledge from our experiences. We get knowledge from other people around us. And then once we obtain all of that knowledge, we have to figure out which of it to use. Right? You could sit in front of um, a nutritionist, and they could give you six different diet options, but then you got to discern, well, which one works best for me? And so we discern. And discerning is this process of uh, seeking godly counsel and um, lining things up with scripture and not violating our conscience and forecasting where the decision might lead. We talked about that last week. You can catch it on podcast. And after you obtain knowledge, and you discern what's the best path, then you're right here, metaphorically, right? You're standing here, and here's you, and over here is future you. And you wants to get to future you on the best possible path. Sometimes what happens, Proverbs says, this is when we do things our own way, we take the not best path. 
And some of us, myself included, we've walked the not best path at times. And it's full of mistakes and unwise decisions and sin. And the scripture says it leads to destruction and despair in our lives. And some of us have felt the deep consequences or uh, maybe the not so deep consequences of not walking the best path, right? But we have a good, gracious God who reminds us that even when we step off the best path, he loves us, he's there for us, and he can even work out our not best path in a way that still brings him glory and us good. That's a gracious God. There's another path um, other than the not best path and the best path, and that's, we call it the path of the wrecking ball, okay, or the Miley Cyrus path. When you're walking down the path and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, something hits you in life that you didn't deserve, that uh, you hadn't done anything to merit, it just knocks you off course. It's the wrecking ball. It's an unforeseen event in your life that wasn't your fault. And God is good to us in that too. And he can turn that for good. And he can help us get back on that best path. But after all of that said, all of the humility, all of the building our identity on Christ alone, all of the obtaining knowledge, all of the discernment process only gets you to this point. Only gets you right here. And if you don't actually walk it out, then all of this means nothing. If you don't actually stick to the diet, it doesn't matter. If you don't actually go to the gym, figuring out the best workout plan is pretty pointless. It only matters when you walk it out. Or as Paul says in Colossians, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Paul is saying to this church, and this is, by the way, an example of how we should interact with each other, praying for each other. We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, this should sound familiar, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul's deepest prayer for the church was that they, the individuals of it would know God's will and they would be filled with wisdom. By the way, this enhances our prayer life one for another. We can pray for each other um, you know, when we're sick. We should do that. We should pray for each other when we're down or when we need some encouragement. But our deepest prayer one for another should be that you would know God's will, that your heart would be filled with wisdom and understanding. So as, what are we to do? So as to walk, Paul loves to use this phrase, to walk. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruits in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Said another way, that you would walk the best possible path, the path most fully submitted to God's will, which should always be the aim of the Christian. That I would walk, that you would walk, that we would walk the best path, the path most submitted to God's will. So Paul says, since I've heard of your salvation, I've been praying that you would walk this way. And we've already talked, that was the last seven weeks, about how to know which direction to the best of our ability to walk. But now how do we actually walk? Well, Paul tells us how here in the next two verses. He says this, may you be strengthened with all power. In other words, in order to walk 
you're going to need strength to do it. But as we read through the scriptures, whenever Paul talks about us having strength to walk, we know that what Paul is not saying is find the strength within yourself. Muster up your inner courage. We know that Paul is talking about a strength that comes from outside of us. And one very strong warning to a church in Galatia, Paul says, oh, foolish Galatians. Were you saved by your own works? Of course not. So now why are you trying to grow yourself up by your own efforts? In other words, Paul was saying, the Holy Spirit is the one who saved you. Why are you now trying to walk the best possible path on your own? No, if we're, in Galatians 5 later, Paul says it this way. If we're going to live by the Spirit, then let us keep in step with the Spirit. When Paul says here that we're going to need strength and power to walk the best possible path, what he's saying is, you're going to need the Holy Spirit. You and I are incapable of walking in true biblical wisdom or walking out God's will for our lives apart from the Holy Spirit. Now, I joke around here a lot that we're a multi-denominational church. People ask us to say, are you non-denominational? I say, no, we're multi-denominational because everybody comes from different backgrounds here. If we did a raise of hands of Lutherans and Methodists and Pentecostals and all this, you, you know, everyone would be throwing their hands up. And so even as we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit, some people come from this perspective. Some people come from a different perspective. Some people are like, wait a minute, who's that again? There was actually a church in Acts where everyone was baptized in the name of Jesus. And Paul shows up and he goes, cool. Have you guys heard of the Holy Spirit? And they're like, no, no, who's that? Right? There's probably churches in America who are like, wait a minute, who's that again? See, the Holy Spirit is the Christian's power to walk out God's will. And we can't walk the best possible path apart from the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes when we talk about walking in the Holy Spirit, it seems very ethereal to us, almost like a magic or like the force. I'm like, what does that mean? And so I want to walk through the rest of the verse to help us understand what Paul means when he says to walk in the Spirit. But we first, all of us, need to get to a place where we at least acknowledge over ourselves, I need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. If you're trying to live the Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit, it's hard. In fact, it can be miserable because what you'll see is all the strength and power you muster will never be enough. It can make you feel like a failure. It can fill you with shame and guilt for not being a good enough Christian, for um, giving all of your efforts but never um, quite seeming to be enough. Oh, but God was good to us, and so he gave us his Holy Spirit to help us walk this path. So maybe that's first for some of us today, to begin to open ourselves up to something that maybe we have forgotten or put aside because we thought it was weird. Walking in the Holy Spirit can be as simple sometimes as, Holy Spirit, I need help right now to not do this or to do this and stopping and pausing for a moment and acknowledging his presence in your life. 
But Paul goes on, he actually helps us, actually helps us understand a little bit more what he means. He says, may you be strengthened with all power. So may you be filled with the Holy Spirit according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So how are you to do this? You're supposed to do it with strength and power that comes from the Holy Spirit. But you're also, how are you to, to walk the best possible path? You're supposed to walk it with endurance and patience. Why endurance and patience? Because walking God's best for you, walking out God's full will for you is going to be harder than you think, and it's going to take longer than you think. Endurance and patience. And a lot of times what we want to do is we want to either uh, try to microwave spiritual maturity or we want to get to the end of the best possible path, but not walk through the difficulty of the best possible path. And what the enemy loves to do is when you and I start walking down the best possible path is to make it as hard as he can for you and I so that we'll abandon the path and hop over to the next or the not best path. And so Paul says, you're going to need endurance and you're going to need patience because I promise you it's going to be hard. And I promise you it's going to take longer than you think. And when you do it, by the way, when you have that endurance and patience, you're going to need joy underneath it. In those middle seasons, in the middle of the path, when you know you're on the right one, but the end of it still seems so far. Now, I know of only one way to have endurance and patience with joy. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, when he says, walk by faith, not by sight. Walk by faith, not by sight. Now, when I say walk by faith, not by sight, let me start off with saying, here's what I don't mean. And in Christianity, sometimes we say, we use walk by faith as an excuse to walk foolishly. Well, I'm walking in faith. Well, God's going to take care of it. He is. But how is he going to take care of it? See, walking by faith is not an excuse to do nothing. Walking by faith is not an excuse not to go through the whole process of knowledge and discernment. No, walking by faith should actually motivate us to go through that process because it shows us and proves to us that God is working. And so walk by faith doesn't mean do nothing. Walk by faith means I'm going to keep walking, but I'm holding on to faith, not sight. In other words, when I'm in the middle of walking the best possible path and I need patience and I need endurance, I'm not walking by sight. I'm not just looking and saying, is this going exactly the way I thought it would? Is this as easy as I thought it would? No, I'm walking in faith. In other words, I'm believing that God is good. I'm believing that he's working even when I don't see it. I'm believing that there's hope on the other side of the dry season. I'm believing that a miracle can still happen in the person's life that you love. You're believing that even though you don't see the results, you're not giving up and you're not abandoning the path. Faith is what stirs that up. And it is easy, particularly uh, in Christianity right now, right here, for us to forget that our faith is a faith of faith. Sometimes I think we fall into a pattern where we think our faith is a faith of system and procedure and policy. Now, faith is still a faith of faith. In other words, our faith requires faith, not just fact. Let me say this a different way. There's still a faith element to your faith, a belief, a deep-seated belief that it's not just about what I see, it's about the God who is over it. 
underneath it and all around it. And for some of us, as we're walking down or getting ready to walk down the best possible path, what you might need most is just a resurgence of faith. Just a resurgence of believing that God really is good. Believing that miracles really do happen. Believing that God really can have a plan. Believing again in the power of the almighty risen Jesus. And operating in faith again. So if we're going to actually walk the path, we're going to have to be strengthened with all power. We're going to have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to need endurance and patience with joy, which is walking by faith. And then he ends it with this, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. This is the how process. Giving thanks. Giving thanks when? Giving thanks in the difficult season. Giving thanks when you're practicing patience and endurance. I think the best word that is used to describe this ability to give thanks in the middle of that season is a scriptural principle that the writer of Hebrew talks about. He says it this way. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The ability to give thanks in the difficult season, the ability to maintain faith in the difficult season requires a, a discipline that comes out of faith. See, discipline or the act of discipline is when you're walking down the best possible path and the enemy is attacking or your sinful nature wants to take over, discipline is um, out of the Holy Spirit and out of your faith being able to say no to what would take you away and to say yes to what will keep you down the path. Discipline is being on the mission, not the meandering. Discipline is the actual process of walking down the path. So going back to what I said earlier, when we say, okay, I'm just going to walk by faith. I'm just going to walk by faith. I'm just going to walk in the Holy Spirit. And we try to make that ethereal. Now, what the scripture does is it takes that idea of walking by the Spirit and then it moves it down a little bit and says, okay, now walk by faith, not by what you see, but who you know God to be. And then it takes it another step and it says, now walk in discipline. Say no to what should be said no to. Paul says it this way in one letter. He says, when you come into Christ, you're like a, like a soldier who no longer gives into civilian affairs or worries because you're focused on the battle. When you come into Christ, all that which we used to get caught up in now out of our faith in Christ and the discipline that he can form, we can say, nope, I don't look to that anymore. I don't run after that anymore. I'm walking the best path. The Proverbs reminded us this, that the best path ends. The term is a life-giving fountain. 
That's why this is so important. Now, why is any of this possible? Some of us were, were, were naturally maybe wise or smart people, and we've arrived at certain places in life, and so we think, well, I can just do this on my own. Others of us maybe were like, you know, when you start talking about discipline, I start feeling like religion now is over top of me, and this seems too restrictive. What about the life of freedom? And so we start playing tricks in our minds. Well, let me read this last passage, because this is the why underneath. Paul ends it like this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. The he there is the Father. He, the Father, has delivered us from the domain of darkness, and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Why is any of this possible? Because we, prior to Christ, and so when I say we, I'm talking to those of us who are in Christ. If you're not in Christ yet, the end of that passage teaches us how it happens. But what he is saying is that we who are now in Christ, we used to be on one team. That team was called the domain of darkness. But now we're on another team. In Ephesians, Paul said, you used to be on another team. That was the team of meandering. It was the unwise team. It was the team that wasn't focused on knowing the will of God. It was the team that wants to walk its own way. That's what the proverb said. That wants to walk its own path. But now you've been transferred to another team. Right now, LSU, this is a football story, LSU and Ohio State are one and two, and they're on a crash course to play in the national championship game. An interesting storyline, if you like football or not, is this. The quarterback for LSU wasn't originally an Ohio State player. So I want you to imagine the night of the championship game when the two play each other, and all of the LSU players run out wearing their white and yellow jerseys, except for one guy, their quarterback, and he's wearing scarlet and gray, running out the tunnel. What would everyone do? They'd look and they'd say, you're not on that team anymore. You're wearing the wrong jersey. You were transferred to the other team. Now wear that jersey. Some of you are already following me and you don't like this metaphor because I'm calling Ohio State the domain of darkness. Get over it. <laughs> Paul in Ephesians 5. Paul in Colossians one. Paul in Galatians 5, he does this all over. He's looking at the Christians who are walking the not best possible path, who are not walking the life of wisdom, who are meandering through life. And he's saying, you're not on that team anymore. You don't have to walk like that anymore. You were transferred. Now, in NCAA football, you just have to beg when you answer, enter the transfer portal, and maybe they'll you know, allow you to go from one team to the next. That's not how it works here. How it works on this is to transfer, there was a payment that was required, and it was a payment that you and I could never pay, because to be in on the other team, there is a perfection and a righteousness that is required to be on the other team. If that sounds scary to you, it ought to be because it is a perfection and a righteousness that none of us can ever achieve on our own. And so the only way we're transferred is through redemption, which is a ransom payment, which was Jesus saying, even though I was on the good team and the only one on the good team, I'll hop over to the bad team so you and I can move over to the good team. 
In other words, you take my righteousness. I will pay the penalty of your death, your sin, so you can come over to this team. And now once on this team, how do we walk? We walk in wisdom. We walk on mission. We walk through the power of the Holy Spirit. We walk in faith, not by sight. We walk with discipline, able to say no to that because it's taken me away from God's best in my life. So after seven weeks of laying foundation, we're all standing right here, and the only thing that is left is to walk it out. Friend, after seven weeks of beginning to think to yourself, I really do need to take charge of this part of my life. The only thing that is left is to walk it out. After God has been speaking to you about how you know you need to offer the forgiveness or to release the bitterness, the only thing that is left is to walk it out. After beginning to think again, can I, can I really trust people again? Can I really trust the church again? Can I really um, trust God again? The only thing that's left is to walk it out. That part of your life that is plaguing you because it seems like it's so out of control, but God's been speaking to you a process of how you can grab control of it again. And so it doesn't lead to death and despair, but it leads to good. The only thing that's left is to walk it out. And so whatever it is that God has been speaking to, whether it's this morning or over the last seven weeks, by the power of the Holy Spirit, walking by faith, not by sight, through discipline that he instills in his children, walk it out. Walk it out. Because as you begin to walk it out, it ends up, the Hebrews writer says, as a peaceful yields peaceful righteousness. The proverb says it leads to a life-giving fountain. Paul says in Ephesians, it's the best path. He says in Colossians, it's a manner worthy of the Lord and should be the hope of every Christian. Walk it out. Because I don't want anyone this morning leaving with this thought in mind. It's now up to this is the thought. It's up to, to me now to muster the strength to be able to walk this out, to do it all on my own. I wanted us to take communion. Because what communion reminds us, and so you can go ahead and pull it out. What communion reminds us is that our best efforts would never be enough. What communion reminds us is that when it comes to our salvation and our sanctification, we're reliant upon the work of Jesus on the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for watching this video. If you want to learn more about our church, go ahead and click the link in the description or head on over to experienceredemption.com. Have a great week, guys.